0: For the week of February 9th, 2020, this is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as all the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. This week, as we eagerly await the mid-February premiere of the seventh season of the Clone Wars, we continue our review of the final episodes of Star Wars: Resistance. Today, we are discussing Episode 16, "No Place Safe," and Episode 17, "Rebuilding the Resistance." And to help me with that is John. John, how you doing?
1: Uh doing good. But you just threw me. Is it "No Place Safe" or "No Safe Place"?
0: I believe it is a no place safe. Okay. So it's a little play on words there that uh, went
1: over my head. Uh, Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, We are definitely barreling towards the conclusion of resistance. Now things have ramped up. We got a lot of what we've been begging for all season. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grinning. I'm a happy camper ready to break it all down.
0: Yeah. Well, before we get into that, the interwebs, they have done their work this past (laughs) week and they have uh, released the uh, test footage that was proposed to the studio for Star Wars Underworld. Mm-hmm. So it was about, uh, I think the whole video was around ten minutes long. It had the test footage, of course. It is it, this is kind of the the pilot to the pilot. It's it's given to the right. studio. It's like, okay, do we move forward and make a full episode of this to show you later? So this was kind of five minutes of footage, and then showed some behind the scenes stuff. So is there anything to really take away from this?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, as a proof of concept, it's very interesting to see where they were at with what they could do with television at the time. But in a way, I'm kind of glad that that got backburnered because I don't know if the mid to late 2000s was really the best time to try and launch Star Wars TV Fair. I don't think special effects and and visual like post effects were at a point in the late 2000s where maybe they really could have done justice to the television show. And it may have felt a lot smaller. Like I, I never truly felt like I was on Coruscant in, in mm-hmm. those scenes. You know, it, it felt you, you, you could feel the edges of the budget <laughs> in, yeah. in, in that. Now, again, this is a proof of concept. This is like you said, a pilot for a pilot. So this isn't necessarily the heights that the show would have got to. But as I was watching it, having just watched Mandalorian, I can't help, but look at this and say, Oh, I'm glad that our first foray into prestige star Wars TV was what we got with the Mandalorian. This was the right time and they threw the right resources at it. And I just don't know if that earlier incarnation of a star Wars show would have been quite as satisfying. So uh, I'm just kind of happy that, that, that didn't happen when it did. Uh, and I'm happy that now we are full steam ahead during an era where star Wars can be done just as grand on the small screen as it can on the big screen
0: yeah and i think this is something also to keep note that this wouldn't necessarily be exactly what we would have got because of course typically with test footage they don't necessarily come in and and pay their a-list actors that are going to be the showrunners so this is just people that are hired to to kind of act out the certain scenes they probably were given what they were doing five minutes before they started doing it and so there's stuff like there and obviously it's dubbed over with the voiceover all all that sort of thing but yeah, it's like you said, the budget for a TV show back in this point wasn't it wouldn't necessarily have done it justice and we may have lost a lot of uh love for Star Wars TV or not necessarily mm-hmm. love but maybe an interest for future Star Wars TV because this also would have been uh I don't know if it had a network yet uh but it would have been just on like a normal cable network, correct?
1: I thought at the time they had some sort of tentative deal in place with ABC, but we're talking 15 years ago that, you know, all this was starting to brew. So my facts may be fuzzy on that, but I thought these were destined for ABC or they, they maybe had got the first right of refusal on them or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These would have just made Star Wars feel too small. And I think that really could have hurt the luster of Star Wars at a time when uh, it it sort of needed to simmer Mm -hmm. and build a little bit of momentum or, you know, like pent up demand for really good star Wars. Cause that kind of helped probably the sale to, to Disney, right? Like they saw the demand for it. So if, if they'd gone into TV early on and they just sort of diluted the star Wars brand further with maybe some, some mediocre offerings, uh, you know, maybe George would have walked away with two bill instead of four. So this, uh, i am just, sometimes you look back on history and you're like, yep. Yeah. yeah I, I think things played out for the best. That's, that's really my only takeaway on this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I think we got the better deal. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I think what we got with Mandalorian, that's, that's what I thought after watching this test footage was, oh, I'm glad we got the Mandalorian from all this. And that we, because uh, people were excited when this was first announced that we were going to mm-hmm. get a Star Wars Underworld show. And it was going to be uh, kind of the, the premise that was pitched about Mandalorian, basically, to the audience was that it was going to, it kind of seemed similar. So, hey, I'm happy with what we got.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is one that needed to stew a little bit longer, and uh, Favreau would have been busy just starting to develop Iron Man at the time, so mm-hmm. we would not have got the same talent that we were able to line up with Mandalorian, so yeah, yep, things worked out just fine.
0: Yeah, well, should we get into some other things that we are excited about this week?
1: Yes, and I am very excited to break down these two episodes, this, this was a lot
0: of fun. So Star Wars Resistance Season 2, Episode 16, No Place Safe. Kaz decides he no longer wants to stay on the Colossus as his desire is to fight for the Resistance. Kaz sets off to join the rest of the Resistance but runs into the First Order. Um, um, um. So these two episodes are big moments for all of our characters, I feel like. The characters Mm -hmm. that we have been following around and we've cared so much about. This episode first opens up with Kaz kind of looking at this beautiful landscape that the Colossus has been able to claim as their new home basically and they're friendly with the locals I mean everything is perfect they are yeah. in heaven they have yeah. the perfect setup I mean it's it's the perfect Switzerland in their mind they, you know they're not going to get attacked they're fine here
1: yeah I would have said Tahiti but yes they' <laughs> they're, they're living it up life is good they've got allies they're they're feeling very comfortable and secure and that's a yeah. dangerous place to be when the galaxy at war
0: So Kaz, he's looking out and he's, he basically, he's conflicted here and he's making Hmm. up his mind like, yeah, I mean, I'm leaving the people that I've become friends with in this last few years of my journey, but it's time for me to, you know, to depart. It's time for me to pursue my desire which is i can't basically sit here while the rest of the resistance is out there fighting it's a typical you know finn and poe type of mentality that we see in these in this latest era of star wars and then of course you have all these other characters that just look out they have the galaxy in front of them and they understand the evil that's that's trying to take it away and he decides that he wants to he wants to go out and fight And of course, when he does this, he runs into a nice little scout droid that picks up his (laughs) ship and he goes back to the classes to warn them just in time that they're going to be attacked by the first order.
1: Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Obviously, a callback to Empire with Mm -hmm. all the probe droids being dispatched throughout the galaxy that was a lot of fun. I love that they're souped up probe droids, but they're still kind of true to what we saw in empire. Like they've got the same sort of like sensor dome, but they've beefed them up. So they've got like some real firepower, you know, baked in there too. Uh So that was a lot of fun. And this, this felt so good. Kaz, he's got a, a call of duty, you know, he's, he's honor bound to, you know, rally for the cause that feels very star Wars feels very good. You know, this is the same dilemma that Luke effectively had at the beginning of a new hope, you know, Uh, am I going to live my mundane life or am I going to be part of something bigger? That feels great. You get these nice sentimental moments where you realize, you know, for as much as he's a bumbler, Mm -hmm. he affected some good on the Colossus and he's respected and he's being treated like a man for the first time. And he's talking like a man, you know, like uh, a steady handshake and a, you know, a calm, uh, resolute voice. You know, they just they just hit all the beats with this. This was exactly what I was hoping they were building to in the last episode. Cause they hinted at, it at the end, you know, where he's like, you know what, the fight's going to come to us. You know, we can't stay hidden forever. Like you could tell that he wasn't comfortable at this point with, uh, you know, the quiet life. And yeah, so that's exactly where they were going with it. And it was, uh, a nice way to bookend Kaz's journey as a boy and really paint a clear picture of him stepping into the world now as a man, it's a little jarring that they sort of made this transition just a few episodes from the end of the series. Cause it'd be nice if we saw a little bit more of, you know, his, him stepping in that direction as opposed to him, you know, just bumbling an episode and a half back, you know, like, uh, but nonetheless, the arc is there. And Mm. so that felt really good. And of course, tripping a droid, that's the most star Warsy way to get a star destroyer to, uh, come down on you with all its might. And, uh, we get right into it.
0: Yeah, and I like the parallel between uh, Kaz and Tam here. So it kind of shows Kaz at the beginning of this episode looking over, the, uh, like I said, from basically the balcony of the Colossus. Yes. And then almost the next scene, or at least the first scene we get with Tam, she's kind of doing the same thing. She's mm-hmm. looking at all the TIE fighters. She's frustrated that she's not flying. She wants to be in the fight as well. Uh, but more so, her is out of a desire of kind of that self-interest of I want to fly. That's why I was quote-unquote recruited into the first order was for my piloting abilities. So I thought that, that was just kind of a, a nice little parallel between these two characters that they're both they both have similar desires. They both want to be greater than what they're currently being given the chance to do, and I, I enjoyed that. Uh, and then of course we we get rucklin being kind of a jerk in the same thing but <laughs> yes. we kind of have these two these two opposites here we have yeager who embraces uh, who embraces kaz and is just like okay yep i understand that you have to go and and you have our support we're gonna miss you and it's gonna suck not to have you here and then you have the others and the the, the First Order, so you have Rucklin that's kind of on the same boat as Tam, he's kind of frustrated that he's getting overlooked and that he doesn't get all of his, uh, it, the attention isn't drawn to him, but then also her commanders, her squadron leader is is also the opposite of Yeager, where it's basically like, yeah, get over it, like you're, you know, you're mm. just a kid, blah blah blah, whatever, whatever she said to her, but it's it was just kind of nice to see the two pursuits and then the two uh, leadership figures where The one figure, Yeager, is much more supportive of Kaz versus the squadron leader, which is not supportive of Pam at all.
1: Right. The Colossus and its inhabitants represent humanity. You know, they represent heart. They represent the greater good and, you know, people clinging to something noble, you know, in their soul. And then you've got the first order, which is soul crushing. Uh, the, the, the basic speech of her squad commander was basically suck it up. (laughs) You know, uh, you're just, uh, a pawn in in this, uh, in this larger cause. And, uh, yeah, there, there's no sense of humanity or respect for life. And, uh, yeah, even what's his face, you know, her, her buddy there, the Aryan, you know, he's just in it for himself as well. Like, uh, he's petulant. He's just looking for an opportunity to step up. You, you feel like he's a little Hucks in the making, you know, mm-hmm. like he's just waiting for his opportunity to be able to snag some glory. Yeah. So there's nothing noble or righteous in the first order. And they made all that clear without really spelling it out in these sort of simplistic terms that you would assume that they would sort of dumb things down for a younger audience. I felt like there was a lot of subtlety here. Like how often do you get a quiet contemplative scene in a kid show where, the heroes are looking out at the horizon, trying to figure out where they fit in to this crazy galaxy. Like you just don't get that kind of stuff. So when an episode like this drops on us and it really nails all those beats, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to grin. I'm going to applaud. I thought that this was an exceptional way to really frame what we're going to be exploring over the next few episodes.
0: Yeah, and I really loved the back and forth of this episode. I mean, it, it shows a scene of Kaz, then goes to Tam, and then Kaz, Tam, and back mm. and forth, basically until this final fight scene, or until the until the First Order catches on as to where the Colossus is going to be. But I thought that that was just so interesting. And then it cuts to to Niku, who's having this <laughs> emotional reaction to Kaz leaving, which is a way over the top. But hey, he's uh, he's this this species that doesn't really know how to show. Uh, emotions i guess and it's really well no
1: he knows how to show emotions he can't <laughs> hold back is the problem he's he's unadulterated loyalty and affection he's he's right. just like a puppy he, he just wants his friends around him and nothing else uh makes sense to him uh i'm loving this i'm loving it <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah we probably should keep moving because i could just gush all day on uh how fun i i thought this was setting up uh you know our little adventure here
0: so, of course, as Kaz is leaving with the fireball, which Yeager, uh, this is kind of that, that sign of acceptance of his mission. He's, he's right. showing Kaz, like, yeah, you know what? You better take the fireball, which if i'm kaz honestly i don't know if i want to take that ship it's (laughs) even though they they fixed it up a lot since season one but it's still not necessarily one that i want to just go out and fight a whole bunch of ties and Mm -hmm. go back to the resistance on but i mean i guess that's the same for the falcon right (laughs) they're both kind of these beat up ships that get the job done in the end i suppose
1: yeah beggars can't be choosers right it's it's a it's a flyer it'll get him where he wants to go he can leap out towards the stars in it, like, that's all he's looking for. It's, it's kind of like when a kid gets his first car, Yeah, it may not be a Corvette or whatever the kids think is cool these days. You know, it could be, you know, a beat up 10 year old Honda Civic, but mm-hmm. Hey, they're mobile, you know, their world just got so much bigger and now they're in command of their destiny. So yeah, of course he's over the moon. You're giving me a flyer. I'm going to be able to actually pursue this and, and with everyone's blessing, like he's, he's over the moon right now.
0: And this next transition into this fight scene. So Kaz comes back, and we have this this warning that he gives to the whole class. It's like, hey, they found us. The fight's yeah. coming here. You know, if we don't get out of here on time, it's gonna be it's gonna be an issue. And we gotta we gotta get everyone out. And then by that time, it's too late. And we get this really cool sequence with the aces fighting these tie fighters. And then of course. Ooh. Tam is in the fight as well. So yep, she's yep. she's out there fighting and uh Kaz is out there fighting and we have just this whole just great scenery because one, it's on this beautiful planet, which I talked a whole <laughs> lot about last week. And right it, it's really cool. Like this was great animation, great scenery that we got to uh experience here. And Kaz also gets to use Yeager's ship. So once again, this is kind of that <laughs> leadership, like, okay, yeah, you can't use a fireball anymore, so go ahead, take my ship out there. And you go okay. fight, and that's also kind of a, a leader where he could go out there and he could get involved in the fight. But he has trust in Kaz, and so he sends Kaz out in his place, basically. And I I thought that was I thought that was a really cool uh, just relationship between Kaz and Yeager mm-hmm. in this whole episode leading up to this because I felt like it did just parallel. It was like the yin and yang basically of the two, where Tam. She's not getting that support, and she is proving herself, and Kaz is getting the support in spite of not always proving himself to be the best, (laughs) but you, I guess you can trust him. I mean, he's a little clumsy, but he gets it done, I suppose.
1: I sort of read this more as the satisfaction when a son reaches a certain age that the dad entrusts him with something like, you know what? you can drive the tractor, you can run the farm or, or whatever it is, what, whatever the coming of age thing is. Here's my sword. I'm entrusting you with that. Like depending on, you know, our setting there's, there's these rite of passages, these acknowledgements that you are ready to pass over into duty and maturity and grown up things. Uh So yeah, this is all playing into that coming of age theme that, Obviously they're trying to, to bring to a head with this. And again, I think it all felt really good and it made sense for the story, right? You know, the fireballs busted up. If he's ready to do battle, then I'm going to give him the best I've got. Like this is everyone rallying behind Kaz because they see something more in him. And that just feels really good. Cause we've been with him for two years now, watching him long for that, but yeah. never quite being able to prove it. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just nice. It's just nice to see. And, uh, yeah, this, this all played out really well. The battle itself was as epic as anything we've seen on this show up to this point. And you're right. There's a bit more emotional heft because obviously Tam's the one with her finger on the trigger at many points and you see her hesitate much like Kylo Ren in the last Jedi, right? Like there's humanity in there. And that's what they keep saying is every time when it comes right down to it, she can't bring herself to kill that last little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, of goodness in her and give herself over to the first order. And that's powerful to see. And obviously, you know, it plays out in some interesting ways and she gets promoted despite her hesitation because, uh, you know, just the, the way things play out. But yeah, this is, this is telling a lot of story and giving us a lot of insight on where our characters are at in the midst of a fun space battle. And so great, the scene's doing double duty. And so you've got a whole lot to bite into while at the same time enjoying, you know, all the whiz bang action. So again, it's all working. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed this, This fight scene, because it reminded me a lot of Avatar. I don't know if that was intentional, but kind of these uh, these local uh, this local species fighting with the resistance and kind of these these flying creatures. And of of course, all the colors. I mean, Avatar is a beautiful movie. And so you have all this color. So it felt like part of an Avatar movie. And then, like you said, Tam had that option to take out Kaz and she hesitated. And Kaz picks up that she hesitated, but he also thinks, like, if she was given a second longer, I think she would have followed through. Now, this kind of gets into some speculation, and I don't necessarily think that they're going this way because this is a a kid's show. But we saw Tam, who clearly hesitates, and we had that same thinking process, like, okay, she's hesitating. She is Mm -hmm. still conflicted. She's she's still that that good character we have in her. But then Kaz and Yeager come back, and it turns into this. Oh, we have to let her go because I think I think she was going to follow through with this. I think she would have taken me out if she was given a second. So, do you think yeah. that's the case, or do you think they're just getting uber dramatic for the finale?
1: Well, I think what they're trying to say is we're in the end game now, so we want people to believe that it's possible. We want the viewers to believe that it's possible that. There could be some, some real tragedy in the next few episodes. And if she continues down this path, there could come a point where for the cause, you know, Kaz can't hesitate, Yeah, you know, or she, for her part may not hesitate. And that's, you know, a tragic fall for her. So they're saying that, look, nothing's off the table. You know, as we get into our next episode, we know that there's some stakes there and there's some tragedy there. So the show is just basically saying, look, yeah, this is this is going to be real for the next few episodes. Kind of like when Hosnian prime mm-hmm. blows up in yeah. the, the first season, right around this time near the finale. Uh, yeah, they're saying that we're, we're going to have some real heft to these episodes. And so I think that's kind of what they were foreshadowing with that. I wanted to speak a little bit to your avatar comment. Cause it's very astute mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right. There's this notion of a mechanized, futuristic, overwhelmingly powerful invading force. And then you've got the locals, the natives, fending them off, you know, on horseback or, you know, in this case on fishback. Uh, so you see this as a theme that plays out throughout star Wars and it's totally intentional because when Lucas was developing the original stories, this was in the midst of the Vietnam era and the notion of the, uh, Vietnamese fighters using guerrilla tactics and spears and being ill-equipped to face down the world empire as they saw it, you know, the, you -hmm. know, the United States, uh, with, you know, all of their napalm and helicopters and, uh, you know, modern death machines. There, there was a contrast there that Lucas was really enamored by and he wanted to build that theme into star Wars. And he finally found an opportunity to, to do that with Jedi, with the Ewoks Mm -hmm. and, uh, the, yeah, the idea of doing battle kind of on the underdogs home turf where they can use their environment and their prowess and their their native instincts to hold off a superior foe that is that's pure Star Wars it's the yeah. Gungans on the plains. it's you know we've seen this over and over again as that scene was unfolding I was thinking the same thing I'm like okay you know what this is textbook Lucas that yeah. they're doing here and I'm loving it fresh new species with fun animals and fun weaponry and they're using it all to good effect and yeah Again, what's not to love with all this? This is a a weighty episode that delivers across the board.
0: And this next episode is also extremely weighty and kind of takes it to the next notch. So should we go ahead and talk about this one?
1: Yeah, we're going to have to. We're going to be running long here.
0: So, episode 17, Rebuilding the Resistance. Nisa Doza returns to the Colossus with other Resistance fighters to recruit the Aces in a mission to escort Resistance fighters who are trying to get off the planet Dantooine. So, one, I had to rewind it to make sure that they indeed said Dantooine, because I was like, oh, are we going back to Rebellion era mention here with the planet Dantooine? Because, of course, that's the, uh, that's a place that Princess Leia tells Vader, or I guess Mm -hmm. it was Tarkin, tells Tarkin where the, uh, where the Rebellion base was, was it was on Dantooine. So I thought that was just a really neat planet to choose. I mean, they could have chosen from a plethora of planets. They could have made up their own planet. They could have done whatever that they saw fit but they chose Dantuin because, of course, the Resistance is going back to all of these Rebellion bases. And uh, they're trying to recruit, right? Like, we had the the Resistance going to Crate and trying to get some assistance there or hide out there, so of course mm-hmm. they would be doing this across because we know at this point in, in Star Wars Resistance that the Resistance is running thin. Like, they don't yeah, know they're where the they're going to get their support. And they're hiding out in a multitude of places, as we see. And and so this was a really uh, cool episode again, and it starts off with kind of that, that childish reuniting humor. You have Bucket and Torch, <laughs> which, of course, are the two droids of this episode being reunited.
1: I wanted to point out one thing. They paid homage to a cut scene from A New Hope that actually I think was it was put back in in the special editions. There's a scene in the hangar at the end of A New Hope where Luke gets off the Falcon and Biggs Darklighter, who uh, was his friend from Tatooine that they never established. They cut all that out at the beginning of the movie, but he was someone who left to join the rebellion and Luke was going to join the Academy basically because he wanted to follow in Biggs footsteps. So there's a scene where they're reunited on the hangar floor and they just kind of go up and they're like, Hey, it's you. And you know, what are you doing here? You made it to the resistance. And you know, like they, they have that moment. They recreated that a little bit here too. So it's nice to see that they're mining previous star Wars movies for, you know, fun little scenes that, uh, you know, us, us old timers that have watched the movies way too many times are going to pick up on the homage. So, uh, I respected that and, uh, thought again, we're, we're very quickly getting into, the, the meat of the episode, right? It doesn't take long before all the pieces are in place and we're ready to head out on this high stakes mission with real lives at stake, which yeah. is rare for resistance. But here we go.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think this is really the first time that real lives have been at stake, or at least at this level, because we have some deaths in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. it's just unavoidable. Like the people die in this episode. And I I really liked them preparing it felt like a star wars film where they're prepping to get into their ships yep. and all of this stuff we know that this is of course after the last jedi so uh admiral holdo has already been uh she had already sacrificed herself and she's the one that kind of started this whole we're the spark that's going to light the fire that will burn down the first order and i thought that th- this little callback where Nisa's preparing her team and she says we are the spark and i was mm-hmm. just like oh Yeah, of course you would say that, because this is, you know, weeks, days, however long after Holdo made that great sacrifice, that really did kind of up the game for the Resistance. I mean, I'm sure at this point they probably heard the stories of what went down at Crate. Uh, I don't know how that's necessarily played out yet, and we may not get to see that reuniting and that retelling, or how that story was told about what went down on Crate, but we know that this is after all that, Mm -hmm. and... In the score, I, one of the things that I was putting together as soon as I heard this, I'm pretty sure this is the, the score March of the resistance that's playing in the background.
1: It is. And it strikes a bit of an ominous tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's there. They're saddling up, you know, to, to head out on what is a a dire mission. And, uh, yeah, you're feeling it They're They're really pulling out all the stops. And I picked up on the, the music cue too. I thought that's, that's really pulling you into the world and you're feeling like you're watching the resistance you know, forming yeah. in a way, this is, these are the little tiny cells that are coming together all throughout the galaxy at this point, you know, which is hopefully carving that path that will help everyone to unify by the time we get to rise of Skywalker. But yeah, this was fun. And, uh, they, they definitely struck the right tone across the board.
0: Well, this is one of the things I don't think I felt this way since the season one finale where I felt like it really connected to Star Wars Mm -hmm. because you feel that weight with the music, with that motto, with everything that's going on, with them preparing to fight the resistance. And then what they encounter when they get there, it all feels like it belongs in this canon universe of Star Wars. And I, I really enjoyed that because that was one of the things that I felt was missing for Uh, a great part of this whole season so uh, it's and we've 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 kind of discussed our complaints about that and yeah i mean this this got me back on board i really Mm -hmm. enjoyed just this this montage of them getting ready to fight it it felt like star wars
1: yeah i'm considering these last eight episodes of the season everything from the one where they go to try and find the resistance spy who's, you know, pinned down Mm -hmm. on that planet with the Intel from that point forward, we have a very serialized story where every episode is lining up towards the finale, you know, even Mm -hmm. in establishing the spy who's now back in this episode or bringing them to the tropical planet. That is, you know, a big set piece and basically solidifies the motivations of captain Doza of Kaz of Yeager. This is what steals everyone for the cause. Uh, So this is, really satisfying to watch things unfold in that more linear serialized format that's what makes a a story feel weighty is when every episode is building on what you saw the previous week and you feel like you're going somewhere and we're getting all that right now so yeah you're, you're absolutely right there's there's something about where we're at in the story right now that just feels like you're really deep into something worth watching
0: and then of course the first order arrives in dantooine Shortly after the aces get there, and this turns into another really great fight. I mean, we have two Mm -hmm. episodes with really great fight scenes going on, and of course, this there's more at stake because you have an unarmed vessel, basically a vessel that can't protect itself, that's reliant on these escorts to get them out of there. I mean, this feels very uh, World War One, World War (laughs) Two, yeah, Vietnam. We're getting
1: strafe, protect the convoy. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and I really enjoyed this this mother daughter moment that that the two dozas have here so you have uh you have the doza dive which i just thought was a really interesting uh, <laughs> sure. kind of play on words here the mother daughter move turns out to be effective and also i i think that's a big growing moment i'm not a i'm not a father so i don't know necessarily how big this weighs in but captain doza is sending out his wife and daughter on this yeah. mission to to fight the resistance i mean this this, that, that's a big deal. There has to be some weight there and I feel the weight. And I'm not even a dad. So, I mean, how did, how did that strike you? Did you feel like, Oh man, what are you doing? Why would you do this? Or, or what what was your take on that?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what? All along, every time captain Doza's is allowed Tora to do anything off station. I'm like, Nope, shut it down nope. back in your room with your chicken pug. <laughs> you know, play your video games, but no, you are not leaving, you know, the security of the station. I have those little reactions when he sends her out in this situation, though, Now that we understand a bit more of his, his backstory, um, he's no stranger to war and he's no stranger to the stakes and the sacrifice that goes along with it. And it would appear that he lost that battle a long time ago with his wife, where she was resolute and said, you know what, I'm supporting the resistance. I have to do this. And he realized he had to acquiesce. He said, you know, you know, we've been running for too long or whatever. So he's been thinking about his daughter he's been thinking about you know i just i don't have the luxury of principles right now i'm a dad and i have the station and so i have to try and play this smart i can't just jump in headlong into the cause uh but his wife obviously they've gone back and forth a lot on her getting involved in the cause and whether torah could be involved in the cause and at this point he's obviously seen it close enough for long enough and how it's just ever present and always pressing in on the station that he realizes that staying back and being cautious isn't going to keep his family any safer than letting them be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And that's a weighty thing, you know, for a parent to accept. I, you know, I think about any parent that maybe had kids that marched off into, you know, the world wars and maybe they believed in the cause, but you can't help. But, you know, that, that, that's going to crush your soul a little bit to know Mm -hmm. that uh, you you feel that there's a cause and there's a principle worth fighting for, but at the same time, your higher duty is supposed to be to always protect your family. So I see the conflict there. This is kids fair, but yeah, I'm feeling all of that. So good question, because honestly, I wouldn't have brought it up, but yes, yes, <laughs> I had thoughts on that. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That's, that's my take on that.
0: Yeah, and so then we get tam coming in into this episode and she has some leadership to go on so she's coming off of promotion she's ready to go she's frustrated that the aces are in their way and this this kind of turns into another bit of a weighty situation here so her squadron leader is taken out by by nisa doza (laughs) so now she's given this opportunity to be the leader and she has an opportunity to pull them back and she doesn't, and one of the escorts gets taken down. And Kaz, I think she tries to pull
1: them back, like she says, "Wait, yeah," but it's too late. And her friend, I can't think of his name, but the Aryan, right. uh, Rockland, yes, Rockland. Um, he is so hell bent on trying to make a name for himself and move up the ranks that he wouldn't have listened to her even if he heard that communique. You know, if he's got a moment to shine and take down the escort he's going to do it that's why he's so frustrated at the end where she gets a promotion they don't even acknowledge that he's the one that made the kill shot so uh, yeah a lot going on there and obviously she's just as conflicted as the last episode she thought going into this that she could do what needed to be done Mm -hmm. because she can kind of think uh, of the resistance just as faceless enemies but as soon as she sees the aces again and realizes that these are her friends yet again, it mm-hmm. wells up all that conflict. And that's where, you know, again, she hesitates. So, uh, fortunately because the aces seem to always be on scene when she gets sent out, it's forcing her to not take that step, you know, that irrevocable step where, you know, you cross that line and, and do something that, you know, steals a, a bit of your, you know, what makes you, you, but she's not left unscathed because Ruckland does take down the escort and mm-hmm. we see it go down. And, uh, We know that there were innocent people that were won over to the cause that never got a chance to do anything for the resistance other than say, yeah, we'll, we'll answer the call. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, they get taken out before they even get out of the atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, it it hits her hard and uh, and it probably hit a lot of the younger viewers hard. Like you kind of think that when it goes through the clouds that maybe they're going to crash land and they're going to be marooned on the planet. And maybe Kaz, because his fighter is busted up too. Maybe he's going to go down and hang out with them till they can get reinforcements. Like you think maybe there's a storyline developing here, but nope. Yeah. Nope. They go down. You see the flash of light, you know, that they blew up. It's over. Uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, for eight year old fair, things are getting real.
0: Yeah, well, even Kaz makes the comment where he watches, because he watches it. We're seeing it from his perspective mm-hmm. go down, and he says, oh, my gosh, all those innocent people. Yeah. I mean, so now he's hit one, once again, because, of course, he saw the the whole broadcast of Starkiller Base destroy his whole system that he grew up on. And now he gets to see this. And so his his fire for the resistance and against the first order it's growing while rucklin of course is growing closer to the resistance and tam she even has that question too like what am i doing like what i Mm -hmm. just i just led this this mission and i killed it like i killed a transport like it wasn't even there was zero threat to us exactly It it was just a transport so that that's a lot of big stuff here, and then of course it ends on a a other theme of Captain Doza saying, you know what? Yeah, I'm done running. The the Colossus is done running. We've tried that; it didn't work, and now the fight it, the fight keeps coming back regardless. And yeah. I'm I'm done. I'm done running, and now the Colossus is going to fight. We're gonna put all of our all of our resources into sheltering what resistance we can, and then responding to the call so this is mm-hmm. it's building up really nice to call the ex here but i don't think that's i don't think that's going to be the case here but it, it is building really nice to answer some sort of call mm-hmm. so whatever way we get that i think that's where this season is going i think these mm-hmm. next few episodes is going towards some sort of battle some sort of fight i think we're going to see all this come down and it's gonna it's gonna tie in nicely to the the rest of the saga it may not tie into like Oh, we gotta to respond to this certain distress signal and respond to this certain planet. But it might be it might be really a really nice payoff. So I'm looking forward to it. It it this these last two episodes have got me really excited.
1: One way or another, we're barreling towards something, and at this point, we've got our momentum. The table's set. We know where every character stands. You know, like we said, Doza had his um you know, his Mel Gibson Patriot moment mm-hmm. where, you know, he, he stops, uh, being a dad trying to protect his little plot of land and decides, you know, it's time to take the fight to them. Uh, so yeah, everyone's on board, everyone's unified and everybody is ready to, uh, bring this thing home. So, uh, next week we will figure it all out. We will find out how this story concludes and, uh, where we're going to go next in the galaxy.
0: Well, while people are waiting for our next episode to come <laughs> out, John, where can they find you? Love those segues.
1: You can listen to me prattle on about Saturday night live on my other podcast, the SNL after party, which can be found on all your major podcasting apps, or you can go to SNLpodcast.com. Uh, We are knee deep in our February run of the show. We had a uh, Super Bowl themed episode that uh, we just recorded yesterday. So that'll be dropping in a few days. And then we've got RuPaul hosting next week. So our coverage of that's going to come out in about a week. So if anyone is into SNL and sketch comedy and that kind of stuff, that's what we do. Come find us. SNL After Party.
0: And you can keep up with this show throughout the week on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and emailing us at hello at Star Wars TV Talk dot com. You can find the rest of our shows online at StarWarsTVTalk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a nice five-star review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at TVTalk.fm. Thank you so much for listening, and may the Force be with you always.